Hey, thank you, Mission Grove, and thank you for inviting me in uh, to your family this morning. Uh, as Pastor John said, we are in that process, kind of that initial core development process. And so we moved out about a year ago, uh, this past January, and have been on the ground actively making friends, meeting neighbors, figuring out rhythms. Uh, Phoenix is a little bit different than Illinois. Uh, not just the weather. Um, and so, you know, during that time, we've seen an increase in a growth within our community. Uh, by God's grace, this past weekend, we had 70 in attendance, uh, and we've been going for 12 weeks. So praise God. He is doing a work in and through. So let me go ahead and pray for us uh, and give you a little bit of a taste of where we're going today, this morning. Uh, I want to look at Matthew 14, and, and what I want to examine is I want to examine that very famous passage where Peter walks on the water with Jesus. And one of the things we're going to pull out from that passage is, is kind of where do our eyes go when the storms of life hit, right? Where do our eyes go? And the big idea, so to speak, that I'm going to leave us with is where our eyes look determines where we go. And so we're going to look at Peter, we're going to examine the story, probably see ourselves in that this morning. Let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll jump on in. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for John and the work that's evident here at Mission Grove. Thank you for the multitude of men and women who come here and serve so faithfully to make this event uh, week in and week out something that glorifies you and makes your name great. Uh, Jesus, we are grateful as we enter this Christmas season to think of you, to remember your first advent when you came in fulfillment of the promise. Jesus, meet us this morning in your word. Teach us from your word that we may glorify you in our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. So uh, I took a motorcycle riding course uh, several years back, and I was, uh, I just purchased a bike, and I was like, well, I probably should take the course. Uh, and so I did those a little out of order. And when I was in the course, the, they're doing a whole bunch of things. And, and part of what they're trying to ensure and make sure you understand is when you ride a motorcycle, people want to murder you. Like that's just, you have to have that mindset, okay, when you're on the road. Always constantly defensive. The, one of the things they'll teach, though, is they'll teach that where your eyes are looking is where your bike is going to go. And so when you're driving a car and you have four wheels, you'll turn your steering wheel and that kind of moves your wheels left or right. On a motorcycle, there is no wheel. You have handlebars and you'll push forward or you'll push uh, rearward. And that is going to be what kind of tilts your wheel. And then guess what? You've actually got to tilt in the direction you're turning. So it's a little bit different of a mechanic. But the biggest change is that it's not just about tilting, it's also about where your eyes are looking. See, when we were going through the course, part of the course is intended to teach us what we need to do, part of the course is actually telling us what happens if we don't listen, right? And so they would show pictures of grisly accidents, right, where what happens is a lot of young guys in particular want to be on two wheels, want to ride, want to go crazy, and they'll get in fatal accidents within the first six to eight months of riding. And most of the time, it happens when they're merging onto a highway scenario, because guess what? You're coming on, 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 and you know what's riding right alongside you in this interstate? A massive 18-wheel truck, right? And so when you see that thing coming, the last thing you want to do is hit it, but guess what you're looking at? The truck. And so guess where your bike's going to go? The truck. 
And so they drilled it in our heads. Where your eyes are looking is where your motorcycle is going to go. And it's true. When you make a turn, you're not looking straight ahead. You're looking at where you want your bike to be every time. Because the moment you get your eyes off of that, your motorcycle is going to go where you're looking. And isn't that us in so many areas of life? It's not just riding a motorcycle. Maybe many of you haven't. In life, where our eyes are looking tend to be where we go. And sometimes that could be an issue with health. Sometimes that can be an issue in family. Sometimes that can be an issue with a loved one, a sibling. Maybe it's money. But whatever that problem may be, it's really hard and really tempting to just want to look at it. But if you're in my motorcycle class, if you're like me, that's often the worst thing to do. This morning, we're going to be talking about Peter, and we're going to talk about where his eyes were the moment he was asked to step out of the boat. And we're going to look at what happened to his eyes when he stepped on the boat and stepped onto the water versus where his eyes were when he began to sink. I think you're going to see the same principle apply. Where you look determines where you go. But here's the question I have for you this morning. Where do you look when the storms of life come? Where do you have your eyes when the storms of life come? Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when the evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. Okay. Many of you have heard this story. I'm just going to pull out a few things from it as we look at this text together. Verses 22, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get out and onto the boat. What happened just before the immediately? You might have heard of this miracle. It's one of Jesus' most famous, is when he fed the 5,000. Now, feeding of the 5,000, that was actually 5,000 men. And so when you look at women and children added to that total, you're talking somewhere in the ballpark of fifteen to 30,000 people. That's what the disciples had just seen. That's what the disciples had just walked from. That's where the disciples were at. Some might say they were riding the mountaintop high with Jesus. We can do whatever we want. He just fed people, right? They're feeling pretty assured. And then he says, get in the boat. And then he says, go to the other side. And the disciples have no idea what's about to happen, but Jesus does. Interesting. Second thing that we see here is found in verse 25. It says in the fourth watch. Do you know what the fourth watch is? It's that time period in Rome, they would say that's between 3 and 6 a.m. And 3 a 6 a.m. is usually the worst time 
in life. Uh, if you're a parent here, you understand that's precisely when the kids decide to wake up, and that means your day is wrecked. Amen. That's me today. We've got four of them. And it's like a symphony at 5 a.m. <clears throat> so here's the, the second thing that we're seeing is that these guys are tired. So they're alone. They're tired in verse 26. It says, when the disciples saw, they were terrified. Now we have our introduction of fear. What the author of the story is describing is how most scenarios, unexpected storms in life, how they come to be. First, we may be coming from a mountaintop high and we're not expecting it. That's the first thing. Second, you're likely going to be tired, beaten down a little bit, and less than capable of mustering your full strength. And third, you're going to be introduced to a fear that you do not know how to handle. Storms in life are often unexpected. And they often contain these three very dangerous ingredients. It comes when we're not prepared. Worse than that, we're tired. And worse than that, we're terrified. Now, Jesus knew. The disciples had no clue what was going to happen. So let's take a look at how the disciples respond. We're going to continue in verse 27. I want you to put yourself in the place of the disciple. And I want you to put yourself in the place of the disciple thinking of a time in your life, it could be right now, where you have been in an unexpected trial. Because I think when we look at how they respond, we're going to see a lot of ourselves. In them. Verse 27, it says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. We're going to put a pin in that verse, and I'm going to ask you to forget that verse for just a second. Because I think the disciples did not hear Jesus say that <laughs> based on how they respond. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached his hand and took hold of him and saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is our scenario. Unexpected, tired, terrified. And what does Peter do in that moment? Verse 28. He does what most of us should do in those moments when we're overwhelmed with fear and we don't know how to handle it. We cry out. He cried out to Jesus. Peter did exactly what you and I should do in those moments, crying out, Lord, 
command something in my life, control this moment. And Jesus responds. Jesus says, yes, take the step of faith. Jesus' response says, eye on me, Peter. There's a work here that you don't understand quite yet. But it's going to require you to get out of the boat. And so he does. Peter, in the boat, in safety, takes a step onto the water. But notice where his eyes are at when he does this. Peter got out of the boat and walked and came to Jesus. He went where he was looking. Just like riding in the motorcycle, you're going to go wherever your eyes are looking at. Peter walks on water looking at Jesus. His eyes are fixed upon his Savior. He is terrified and tired and unexpected. But he's looking at Jesus. But then verse 30 happens. It reads, when he saw the wind, which is an odd phrase. I've never seen the wind. I have seen the effects of it. But we know what the author's saying. The waves are crashing. The wind is blowing and howling. He is in the midst of a storm. And Peter, may I remind you, is a fisherman. He's no fool when it comes to storms. He knows them. But in that moment, he's afraid. He begins to sink. Did you catch where his eyes went? He begins to notice the waves around him, the wind around him, the crashing around him, the thunder, the lightning, the storm of life has gripped his heart. And now his eyes are off of Jesus. And they're on to the problem. And he begins to sink. Storms in life, often unexpected. But they're also sobering because they reveal where our eyes are looking. They reveal where our eyes are looking. Now, here's the thing. It would be easiest for us to look at Peter and assume, well, he should have just continued to look at Jesus but may I ask you the same question? What happens and where do you look when the storms of life come? Is it not easy to look at the issue? Is it not easy to look at the problem? Is it not easy to cast all of our expectation upon that which we cannot change? Even though we know it doesn't work. Even though we know by staring at fear in its face, there's no good that comes of it. We, like a motorcycle instructor told me, sometimes get paralyzed by the fear and drive right into it, hoping desperately to avoid it. And it might be easy to look at me this morning and think, well, what kind of trials have you gone through? And it's true, I haven't faced all of them. But I faced enough to where I got to the end of myself and still get to the end of myself. We've lost children. 
We've gone through illnesses that could have claimed our life. We've had moments of intense fear where the desire to look at the problem is extraordinarily real to the point of debilitating. And I'm saying there is a better way. But where do you look when the storms of life come? Verse 27, I said we had a pin in it. Let's go ahead and take that pin out and let's come back to it. Verse 27 says this, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do you hear the voice of Jesus? Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. This is our key verse. This is what unlocks how you engage, if you're going to engage well, the storms of life. Because here's what's going to happen. Storms will come. Brothers and sisters in Christ, following him is not the absence of storms. Following him means his presence doesn't leave you. But you go through storms. We all go through storms. And here's what he says. He says, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus, when he sent them on the boat, knew exactly what was going to happen. And he let it. He knew exactly what waves preceded them, and he let it. He knew he would be on the water, and it would terrify them, and he used it. Why? Because that is the way our king grows us. Not the absence of storms, but through them. Each of us in this room have been given this life for a purpose. Each of us. And when we spend it running away from the storms, we miss, we miss the beauty of what our Lord is doing. He's using that storm to teach, to train, to cultivate, to disciple, to encourage. Because he has something for you. How do I know that? Because <laughs> look at where Jesus' eyes were. Verse 31, he comments on Peter's faith, but, but even before that, verse 23, did you notice? Did you notice where Jesus was? It says, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And why would he do that? Why would Jesus come there by himself to pray? Because Jesus had the cross, and it was only a few short years away. Jesus had the cross staring at him, and he knew his end was coming, and he knew the only way forward was if I spend time with the Father. He was teaching his disciples. He was teaching them, because he knew he'd be... <laughs> He would be going away, and they would remain to continue on. So how do we respond? 
when the storms of life hit? How do we respond? We must look to Jesus. We must look to Jesus. And we must ask the Holy Spirit to increase our faith. Verse 31, when Jesus comments on Peter's faith, he says this. He, he, he looks at him and he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And Jesus isn't just being a bully. He's not just being a mean teacher at this point. He is showing Peter, Peter, I have something so much more valuable here for you. It's not just about feeding 5,000. It's not just about the mountaintops. I am teaching and training you because one day you will lead. One day your voice will be used to spark something that is still continuing to this day. On the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 were saved, and Peter rose up that day to give a sermon filled with the Holy Spirit. And I bet you what didn't leave his mind were moments like this. When he stood on the water and he looked at Jesus. Faith guides us through life, but it grows during the storms of life. Faith guides us, but it grows during the storms. Little faith does this. It looks at Jesus, walks on, takes a step, and then it looks down at the issue. There's still faith. There's still faith being lived out. It's just small. It's just little. It's just not fully moving him towards it. He looks at Jesus, and then his eyes go to the issue. Strong faith looks at Jesus and moves forward. You want to look at Peter with strong faith? Look at him after Acts chapter 2 boldness, and not a boldness in his own strength. <laughs> At that point, he's been emptied of his strength. At that point, the trials and storms of life have begun to have their impact on him. He's starting to move with a confidence that doesn't come from his ability, but comes from knowing he's in Jesus' hands. Oh. Men and women, I want you to hear that the Lord purposes your hardships for something far beyond just getting through them. And I'm not just talking about the simple ones. I'm talking about the ones that drag you all the way down. The Lord uses them, and he equips you, and he teaches you, and he shows you his great love. That he has not walked away even when it feels like everything else has, he hasn't. None of this works without Jesus, though. If you hear this this morning and you're hearing this and you're like, man, I need something to repurpose my problems. I need to, I need to, it's not self-help. Get to the end of yourself. It's Jesus. It's by his name alone that any one of us is saved. It's by his blood that we're covered and brought into right union with God. And if you do it on your own terms and you don't have Jesus, you don't have hope. But if you get to the end of yourself, if you cry out, if you say, Lord, I cannot stand on my own, I will sink, he is sure to catch you, to hold you, to draw you near. 
Jesus knows and does not lose his own. But he has a purpose for you. He's not done with you. He's going to allow other storms to change you, to teach you, to grow you, to equip you. And this is the importance of being here in this body. This is the importance of gathering together as the body of believers. Because he's not going to just use that storm in your life. He's going to use the storm in your life to help somebody else's life. How do I know? Look at verse 23 there. When he talks about praying and he talks about praying for the Father. And he knows that this boat's going. He knows that the disciples are going to be Well, it doesn't end there, does it? No, continuing on in verse 32, it says, When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat, what? They worshipped. Truly, you are the Son of God. I think of the other 11 men on that boat. Do you think they ever forgot the day Peter walked on water with Jesus? One of them would betray. And one of them, even though they tried to kill him, they couldn't. John lived on Patmos until he died of old age. But the other 10 gave their life. Gave their life. Because they saw what God did with Peter on that water through the Son, Jesus. Spurgeon says this. He says, what a sight. Jesus and Peter, hand in hand, walking upon the sea. We have just a short time on this earth. And I'd hate for you to to waste a moment of it. But the Lord purpose, the good, the hard, for his glory. Come to him fully. Lord, use the good. Use the bad. Use all of it. Use every drop of it. Don't let me miss one second of what you would have for me in this hardship. Don't let me miss one second. Don't just go through. Don't just go through life. But allow him to use. You will not be disappointed when you stand at the end or kneel at the end. We have a great king. We serve a great king. Hand in hand, walking upon the sea. Let me pray. Father, we... May we be, as Spurgeon speaks so clearly, men and women who do not forget those moments in life when the water gives way, our eyes move off of you, and you grab us, you meet us there, you meet us in the difficulty, and you catch us you strengthen us once again 
calling us to a far deeper and far more profound trust and faith in you. Lord, use those moments to shape us that we may be used by you. Use those moments to cultivate within us a character that stands firm in the face and the shadow of fear, not by our own strength, but by you. Meet the men and women in here who are gripped and terrified right now. Things outside of their control, may you comfort them, Jesus. Would you comfort them? Would you press upon them the tremendous love you have for them? And that that love is secure, that love is not fleeting or fading, and it is strong. Lord, may we walk with you hand in hand that the world may see there is a better hope and it is only found in you, Jesus.